I believe that the most important question that you will ever answer in your life is simply this. Who is Jesus? Who is he? And there's lots of different answers that people have to this question. Some say he was an incredible teacher. He was a leader of a movement. He was an incredible historical figure. Some say that he was a guy that people attributed power to. He was he's just a man. He was just a man and people said that he was God. Some people say he was a made up person. He didn't even live in human history at all. And when we look at the first century, we look at the eyewitnesses, we look at people in the ancient world, they were faced with this question about Jesus as well. But it wasn't his teaching that led them to their answer. It was something that happened in human history that led them to a distinct answer. It was the resurrection of Jesus that led them to say this about who Jesus is. He was God. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give us that question as well. Who is Jesus? Who was Jesus? And we're going to spend some time together in the resurrection chapter of John's gospel, chapter 20 of John. Now, John was an eyewitness to these accounts. And near the end of his life, when he's poor and he's at the end of his road, he's just recounting all the incredible things that he experienced and how he saw Jesus with his own eyes. And so he comes back and he writes this chapter um, accounting for what happened the day of the resurrection on the first Easter. And it is a flurry of activity. It is coming at you fast. And I think it's so beautiful and so fascinating what happens. And so we're going to hang out there this morning in John chapter 20 and walk through a couple passages together. Now to set the stage for where we're going to begin in verse 14, we find Mary Magdalene who has come to the tomb of Jesus after Jesus was crucified on Friday, buried, and then Saturday, the world sat in darkness. Here's Sunday morning, and Mary Magdalene is still coming to the tomb of Jesus to spread spices to keep the smell from the dead bodies away, and probably also just because she could not let go of Jesus. She needed to stay close, and she felt like her physical presence there at the tomb was one way that she could do that. So she comes to the tomb, and her worst fears are realized in this moment. Because she sees that the stone, the door to the tomb had been rolled away and Jesus' body was gone. And so she is beside herself, mourning, crying, thinking that robbers came and stole his body. And this is where we pick up what happens next in Mary's story in this resurrection account in verse 14. And her devastation, uh, John tells us this, that at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. But through probably the tears in her eyes, she couldn't realize who it actually was. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Next verse is so incredible. It says, thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. I mean, she probably doesn't even look up to see Jesus. She just assumes that this gardener who's looking after this garden tomb is there and maybe that this gardener was the person who stole the body of Jesus. But through her tears, through her agony, she can't recognize him at all. She takes this long shot. Maybe he was the gardener. Maybe this is who it is. But then everything changed next when Jesus did something really beautiful. The next verse tells us, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. When Mary heard her name spoken on her Savior's lips, oh, it changed everything. The light bulb went on in that moment. She recognized her Savior call, her name. She cries out. She knows who it is, and she speaks to him. 
this term of endearment in the ancient culture, Rabbanai, my teacher, my leader. She cries out. But what Jesus says next is also really fascinating. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, says this, that I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, Jesus says, do not hold on to me. Don't hold on to the ways of the past because now that I am resurrected, I am building a new creation. I am doing a new thing and it's bursting forth into the world. So don't hold on to the past because you ain't seen nothing yet, Mary. And he says, Mary, you need to go tell people that I am resurrected. And so Mary goes with this message that I have seen the Lord. And check this out, everybody. The very first preacher, the very first Easter resurrection morning preacher was a woman named Mary Magdalene. How beautiful is that? Now, what I want us to see here is there's this little part, this little passage earlier that we looked at, this little phrase that just caught my eye a couple months back. And it says that uh, Mary actually was thinking he was the gardener when she saw Jesus. She mistook him for the gardener. And, And I want to put this thought in front of you that maybe Mary was wrong, but she was very right at the same time time. That you no, know, Jesus wasn't the gardener in that garden tomb, but Jesus is the true and better gardener that we've always longed for. You see, if you've ever had a hard time understanding the Bible, the Bible is actually an unfolding history, an unfolding story between two gardens. The Garden of Eden, found in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, where God sets up this utopian garden, <laughs> with Adam and Eve, and Adam is told to be the very first gardener, but he does not take care of his duty of following God's rules. He doesn't take his duty seriously of caring for the land or for his wife, Eve, and so he fails. And that brings sin and chaos into our world, and that leads us to another garden. Just a couple chapters earlier in the Jesus story, the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus' death, where he was betrayed and he cries out to his father, Father, if this is the challenge you have before me to go to the cross and sacrifice myself, I accept it. And Jesus wins where Adam, the first gardener, loses. It's a story stuck between two gardens. And so I want to put this thought in front of you that Jesus is the true and better gardener. And maybe what Jesus is really up to in our life is gardening, bringing beautiful things out of the dirt in our lives. So the very next thing that happens is we see this resurrected Jesus, the gardener, at work because he goes to his followers who we find locked in a room. The very next verses here, John chapter 20, verse 19, we see this, that on the evening of that first day of the week, the very next day, Monday, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. The resurrected body apparently doesn't need to use doors, right? He stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, so much is happening here. We find Jesus' closest friends, his followers, they're hiding in a locked room and we're told that they're afraid And they're fearful because of the Jewish leaders. They probably thought, hey, the Jewish leaders and the Roman government took care of Jesus. 
They're probably after us next. We need to wait this thing out. We don't know what our next move is. They were fearful, but they were also fearful for their futures as well, you guys. They probably thought, man, we wasted so much of our lives. We left our family fishing businesses. We left all of our life following this Jewish rabbi that we believed was the Messiah, but he was killed like all the other messiahs, and it's ball game over. And so they're disappointed. They're filled with lots of shame for leaving their life. They feel like they'd wasted their time. Their faith had vanished. And in that moment, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus shows up and he speaks to them. He says, peace be with you. And this would have been the phrase, shalom alahim. Shalom alahim. And we've talked about this a lot at Bridgeway, but when Jesus speaks the words shalom, when he speaks peace, it does not mean just like it's all good, you know, don't worry about it, hippy-dippy kind of peace. He's talking about um, this idea of unity, of harmony, of wholeness in our world. I mean, God's dream for our world is shalom, it's harmony, it's, it's peace, it's wholeness. And he speaks this phrase, uh, peace be with you, shalom alehim, to his followers who were so filled with fear. You guys, this is what I want us to understand, that Jesus extinguishes our fear and he cultivates, he gardens, he grows up a new thing in the midst of our fear. You see, many of us, we can relate to the fear that the disciples felt in this situation, right? I mean, we're fearful right now because of this pandemic. We're fearful because there's an invisible enemy that could be anywhere. We're anxious. We're playing the what if game. What if this happens? What if my spouse gets sick? What if I get infected? We feel like the economy is so shaky and we don't know if our job is going to be there the next day. We're worried for our health, the health of our loved ones. And hey, just like the disciples who were locked in their home, many of us feel like we're locked up in our home as well. And this is what the resurrected Jesus, the gardener speaks to you and just like he spoke to his disciples. He says, peace be with you. I think we can all agree that the true master farmers in, or the master uh, gardeners in the Midwest are farmers, right? They're ones that feed our world, feed our country every year, and they're so patient, and they do such an incredible job cultivating the ground to, to feed us and to feed our world. If you guys can recall back to last spring, the spring of 2019, it was the wettest spring that we'd had in Indiana for probably 100 years, and it felt like the farmers in our community could just not get their crops in the ground. And they didn't know if harvest then was gonna be too late and so they were gonna lose all of their crops. And there was just all this fear going around our country so much. And I had this one interaction with a, a local farmer who's a friend of mine. And I was like, hey man, how are you doing? Are you holding up? Are you guys just like crippled with fear during this situation? And I remember he spoke to me something that was so startling. He goes, you know what? We've had bad weather years before. But we've always ate, we've always had enough money to go around. If we have a bad year, we'll have a great year next year. It's like, I remember some of the years that everybody said was that bad and we always survived. He looked back into the past and to remember what happened and then that fueled his faith for the present tense that was so scary. My friends, I wanna encourage you if you're feeling fear this Easter season, don't forget in the dark what God showed you in the light. Don't forget in a dark moment of your fear what God revealed to you about him in the light. Remember what God has done in the past to see him clearly in the scary present tense. 
He wants to cultivate, he wants to grow faith in you by remembering his goodness, remembering his love, his personal love that is for you. My, my son, Jack, uh, he's about 14 months old now, and uh, whenever we're on a couch together or he's laying up on the bed with me, he, he does this thing that to me is just so horrifying. He just wants to nosedive right off the bed. It's like a one, you know, swoop, just wants to go head first off the bed or onto the ground from the couch. And I catch him every single time, and I started to realize that he thinks this is fun because he remembers that I always catch him. He's not fearful, he's smiling, he's giggling when he nosedives off of the bed or the couch because he knows that I will always catch him. He remembers that. You guys, I think in the same way, your heavenly father, this Easter, he wants to remind you that he will always catch you because he has always caught you. And in your darkest moments, Jesus still went to the cross for you and he walked out of that grave for you. And he is the gardener and he wants to cultivate and grow faith in you. He wants to do that for you. Some of you, you're probably fearful this morning because you feel like you're in this waiting season, just waiting for God to show up, to answer your prayer, to end the quarantine, to move in your life. And I think that the resurrected Jesus, the gardener, he wants to speak peace be with you, wholeness be with you in your waiting as well. Did you know that there are certain plants that uh, people put in their gardens in the southern parts of the country of India that take up to 12 years to actually bloom. It's called the Karinji plant. And the Karinji plant, it's beautiful when it blooms, but you plant it and then you wait 12 years. This is why gardening is not for me, farming is not for me, because I can't wait that long. But can you imagine the doubt that you would experience if you thought that plant was going to bloom, that Karinji was going to bloom in year one. Yes, you'd experience so much doubt, but it blooms on that 12th spring. You know, you guys, the resurrection of Jesus shows us that God is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. It might be two more weeks, two months, 12 years, but he will make good on his promise. You can take that to the bank God is rarely early, but he is always on time. So in your waiting, in your fears, remember that the God of the resurrection, the gardener, is cultivating hope in you. And because Jesus walked out of the grave, you guys, the worst things are never the last things. The worst things are never the last things. The resurrected Jesus, the gardener, cultivates peace, wholeness to extinguish your fears. And somebody needs to hear this this morning, that God is a good father who gives good things to his children and that God doesn't cause evil, but he will subvert evil and he will use evil and brokenness in our world to bring beauty out of it, just like he did at the cross. That Jesus has taken on sin and death and the worst forces in the human existence and he has conquered them with love at the cross and an empty tomb. And if you're waiting and you feel alone in a dark circumstance, oh man, the resurrection of Jesus says, peace be with you because he is close. He is not distant. He is with you and still alive in every circumstance. The gardener, the resurrected Jesus wants to cultivate peace in the midst of your fears to extinguish the power of your fears this Easter. Not only does the resurrected Jesus 
take out fear in our life. Understanding his love, it takes out fear, but it also takes out shame. You see, in that room that Jesus walked into with his disciples, there was Peter. And just two nights before, even though he swore he would never do it, Peter denied even knowing Jesus during Jesus' darkest hour of his torture and his arrest. He denied even knowing Jesus. Can you imagine the shame and the guilt, the paralyzing anger you would have towards yourself because of that if you were Peter? You know, many of us, we are carrying shame and guilt with us today as well. We like to stuff it down and not think about it by looking at our phones or overeating or over drinking or overdoing something. But we're carrying shame with us today. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a broken relationship with somebody in your family, somebody at work, maybe with your kids. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something that you did to hurt someone that you're just so guilty about that you did. Maybe it's a public embarrassment where you are just thinking that people are whispering about you every room you walk into. Peter felt that shame. He felt that guilt. But when Jesus walked into that locked room, when he appeared in that locked room, the resurrected Jesus, he spoke those words, peace be with you, shalom alahim, wholeness to you. He spoke them to Peter in all of his guilt and shame. And I think he speaks them to us today. And the gardener resurrected Jesus wants to speak those words to you as well this Easter morning. You know, most gardeners will tell you that the best soil that you can garden in would be compost soil. And compost soil is something that just blows my mind because it's so gross when you think about it. Compost soil is using things like rotten banana peels, used coffee grounds, vegetable scraps from the kitchen, broken used eggshells, and putting them into dirt. And it makes this fertile soil where the best plants can grow from. And you take it into the world of farming as well. And fertilizer, as you know, does not smell very good because we'll just say it politely, um, it's made from waste from animals, the worst, gross, messiest, shameful things. Somehow in gardening, in the way that God created our world, the most beautiful things can grow from it. I believe that the resurrected Jesus, this gardener, looks upon our shame and he speaks love into it and he cultivates something new to grow from it. Again, God, God took the worst thing that could ever happen to Jesus, his public execution, the shameful thing that everybody thought was attached to execution by a cross, and he cultivated something beautiful from it the hope and healing and salvation of the world. This is just what God does. And he wants to do that in your most shameful, guilt-filled moments as well. Just what Jesus does. I love the story of Charles Colson. Charles Colson was a part of the Nixon administration back in the 70s, and he was actually considered a hatchet man of Richard Nixon. And, and when the uh, impeachment and the resignation of Richard Nixon was all swirling around, Colson actually went to prison, and he was convicted of obstruction of justice. And while he was in prison, he had an experience with the resurrected Jesus. He, he found faith and life in Jesus. And so when he got out, he wanted to do something for the people that were in prison. He actually started, still to this day, the world's biggest prison ministry called Prison Fellowship that helps people that are inmates come face to face with the resurrected Jesus and find faith as well. But he also fought against um, the way that so much of our justice system is set up to just punish 
uh, people in prison and he want, works towards rehabilitation in reform in our prison systems as well. You see how uh, what would have been the most shameful, darkest, guilt-filled moment of Colson's life going to prison, God got in the midst of it and he, the gardener started cultivating and growing something beautiful from it. And now there are hundreds of thousands of people that have found life in Jesus because of what Colson had experienced. You see this, he brought glory from shame. From the worst moment, he brought beauty. Isn't that incredible? Another story I love of this is Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison, in his 20s, was a nightclub promoter. He was obsessed with status and the nightlife. But after an experience he had with this undeveloped part of the world, and he discovered that dirty water actually has so much to do with so many things that ail the poorest people among us. And he had an experience with Jesus, and he knew that he had to change his life, and he had to do something about this crisis. And God got a hold of his life, and he started this organization called Charity Water. And to this date, over 11 million, yes, 11 million people have clean water because of this nonprofit that he created. And what I love most about this story is that God used some of those skills that he had as, as a nightclub promoter to bring beauty into the world. <laughs> he uses his marketing skills and his skills of promotion to let people know about the need and to know how they could make a difference for the poorest people among us. See what God did again. He took what was the most shameful thing, this nightclub promoting um, self-indulgent lifestyle. He took what the most shameful thing could be and he brought beauty out of it and he rearranged it and cultivated and gardened and grew something beautiful from his broken past. And when we look at Peter's life, Peter, after Jesus spoke the words, peace be with you, into him, Peter actually walked away from his shame and from his shame, God brought something beautiful there as well because Peter became one of the leaders of the early church and one of the leaders on the forefront of telling the world about the resurrected. Jesus. Jesus grew beauty and glory out of shame. It's just what the gardener does. My friends, I believe that the garden project is not over with yet. That what God started in the Garden of Eden and what God continued at the Garden of Gethsemane is not over with today. And like I said earlier, Jesus said, it is finished, but he did not say, I am finished. The gardener has not given up on you whatever you're feeling this morning, whether that be fear, whether that be waiting and doubt, whether that be shame and guilt, he's not done with you. He wants to grow new things in you. He wants to take your graves and he wants to grow gardens from it. He wants to take your mourning and your sadness and he wants to bring you joy and dancing. He wants to take the things that look like ashes and they're all over with, the dirt, and he wants to bring beauty from them. And when you feel like there's no way, he wants to take that sea that feels like it's impossible for you to cross and he wants to turn it into a highway. That is the invitation of Jesus this morning for you. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would realize that you are the gardener, <laughs> that Mary Magdalene wasn't actually all that wrong, that you want to grow and build and cultivate beautiful things in us from our fears, from our shame, from our guilt, from our dead ends, from our waiting. So I pray for people wherever they are right now, that they would trust you. They would maybe in their own words say, Jesus, I'm tired of doing my life on my own. I need a new thing cultivated in me. And so I'm reaching out to you. I believe that you are God and that you died and that you rose again and you are the gardener, Jesus, today. So God, wherever 
people are this morning. I pray that they would feel your presence and they would come face to face with this reality that the resurrection happened and you wanna bring resurrection in each and every one of our lives as well. Because there's nothing better than you, Jesus. No one better than you. Because you change everything. You take the dirty things and make them beautiful in our lives. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Let's sing this song of truth together.